Hello and welcome to Repertory Screenings Episode 2. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. We're here to talk about movies. It's movies times. Movies, movies. Movies times? What yeah. The times are movie are plural and the movies are plural. We're only talking about one movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. And uh, there's only look. one podcast, so I think you're wrong on both counts. Uh, it's the movie hour. That's true. It is a movie hour. Last time we got forcibly shut off because me and Destiny would have carried on like bad podcasters. Uh, that probably will not happen this time. because no, less uh, dense movie. Yeah. This week we are talking about Morvern Caller. Uh, if you didn't watch it, uh, now's your chance to punch out and go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, that's it. That's where it's at. Uh, I, there's probably a DVD. I don't know. It looks bad wherever you watch it. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a DVD. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. I found a copy online. All of them look like dog shit yeah. because it's a movie from 2002. Yeah. That has not been like super popular enough to get a Blu-ray release. Also, I'm pretty sure it was shot digitally, so it probably just looks bad regardless. Uh, uh, some of the letterbox reviews acted like seeing it in 35 mil was like incredible. Okay. Fair enough. So, anyway, that's I your that's it. your that's your uh, last warning before we get into it. Um, you know, yes. please go watch it because you should uh, experience this for yourself. I think we all enjoyed this movie quite a bit, so. This will never be a spoiler-free podcast. What would be the point? I just want to let people know since we're just—it's episode two. Yeah, it's just a warning. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, that was—I was given the warning. Okay, Jackson, why don't you tell me about Morvan Caller? I did volunteer, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So uh, Morvan Caller—I guess Morvan Caller. Yes, it's how they pronounce it. Yes, I'm not uh, Scottish enough for this. Morvan Caller. Nope. Uh, no, we can't do that. There's so many people who live uh, across the pond who would be so mad at us for our fake accents, Scottish or otherwise. Uh, Is Samantha like, Morton the, Scottish? Did anybody look that up? No, because no, she's she's speaking in English the entire movie. She's, she is definitely English. Okay. Uh, which is a change from the book. Anyway, um, this is a movie from 2002. Uh, called Morvan Collar, based on a book called Morvan Collar from 1995. Uh, the film is directed by Lynn Ramsey uh, and stars Samantha Morton as Morvan Collar. Uh, and the book was written by Alan Warner uh, back in the 90s, and this is the adaptation of it. It's 90 minutes long. It is a film about a girl. <laughs> <called> Morv- <laughs> it is a film. <laughs> <laughs> you hesitated well, and it <laughs> broke my brain. <laughs> It's about a girl named Morvan Caller who wakes up on Christmas morning uh, to find that her boyfriend has killed himself. And he has left a suicide note uh, with some money for the burial and the manuscript of his first novel and instructions to send it off uh, to publishers. And she does what anyone would do in this situation. Um, steals the money, hmm. buries her Is boyfriend. Is that what anybody in- <laughs> would do? <laughs> buries her boyfriend in, in a field uh, and submits the novel to publishers as her own work. Uh, she and- dismembers her boyfriend and buries him in a field. Yes, no, that's a crucial part of information there. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, the movie is kind of about her trying to use this uh, to discover herself and live her truest, most authentic life. It does not work. Um, <laughs> I feel like you are framing this in a way that I would not frame this. Um, okay. Uh, that's fair. Destiny, what do you think this movie... <laughs> explain this movie to people in short, in brief. Alright, so Morvern is a woman living in this sort of, like, dead-in town in Scotland, and 
she wakes up on Christmas morning to find that her boyfriend's committed suicide. And she opens up all the Christmas presents. And one of them is a mixtape. And then, of course, he has his suicide note on the computer. It tells her to be brave and to send his publish his manuscript to a bunch of publishers and uh that there's money for the funeral so she gives herself a few moments to like let this sink in and freak out and then she puts her name on the manuscript sends it off and takes the money and decides that the best way to process all of this is to get out of the country and she takes her best friend lana and they end up in Spain, and so on and so forth. That sounds relatively close to Jackson's. Jackson's was like, I don't know, there was just something really <laughs> flippant about it that I didn't, <laughs> that I feel. There was some editorializing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it, it's it's much more, uh, I think it's it, it's a bigger deal for her than it is for us. Oh, I think it's the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't trying to play down the deal. Mm. This is just how I talk. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I love the film. Um uh, do we wanna do we wanna just go around? Sure. <laughs> uh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I was surprised at how much they liked it because it starts out and um her boyfriend's dead and she goes afterwards out on this like night of partying. Um and it starts out seeming like it's going to be this, um, you know, disaffected youths trying to connect in a world that won't let them movie. And it is. Um, but when the turn happens and then they go on their life-affirming journey to Spain, uh, and that is just as disaffected and um, uh, she's completely as unable to connect to anyone there, uh, that's when the movie really got me. Um, because it starts out, she's in her dead-end job. She's in. She's going to all these parties. Uh, she's dealing with this massive trauma and she obviously can't like feel anything at this point um but then she like does these like big impulsive things with her trauma she like sends off the manuscript and uh you know that ends up getting her a lot of money and she can leave um uh she leaves for the whole day of spain with her best friend uh hangs out with like random people and like partiers in spain and then goes like looking for the authentic experience traveling through villages and stuff and it all ends up feeling just as detached uh, throughout the film, and you just slowly realize that it's not really about her environment. Uh, it's not really about um, even the, like her boyfriend or anything. It's just there is something inside her that she can't really connect with people in the way that she wants to, and she keeps trying, and it just doesn't work. Uh, and it's a very sad movie, um, and she ends up like losing her friendship and leaving town uh, to you know she, like the final scene is her in an anonymous club somewhere right it's just her trying again just keeping on going because what else are you gonna do um uh, and i ended up really really uh resonating with me i liked it a lot yeah uh that's fair i had seen this before uh several years ago the only thing i remembered is her meeting with her ridiculous publisher i remembered the premise and then her meeting with the publisher who travels to spain like <laughs> the agent for the pub not not her agent like the agent for the publisher and like the a pr late a lawyer i don't know some lady who is also very officious who come here and give her a very big check and are very excited when she says she doesn't have an agent and isn't interested in one uh because despite giving her a hundred thousand pounds in two thousand two dollars uh 
apparently they think this is like a steal that they are getting away with something. Yeah. Which, this must be the best book that's ever been written. Because <laughs> <laughs> they act like this is the craziest, like, this is a really good deal. And because she doesn't have like a, an agent, she doesn't have to negotiate. We can just give her our lowest rate and she'll think, you know, we just, we'll just win. We win. And the way they win is they just hand her in Spain a check for $100,000. <laughs> and then they're like, the, less, the rest is coming pounds. later. <laughs> yeah. And it's just ludicrous. It's so much. Um, yeah, uh, which is outrageous. The thing that uh, strikes me both times I watch this movie is she clearly set off this manuscript without having read it. She has no idea what the book is about. It's the best yeah. part because anytime they ask her for any question about anything, she just clams up like and they are definitely they don't care in like the way that like we've clearly got a winner here. It doesn't matter if our author is awkward, like the book's going to speak for itself. But I assume uh, she just... definitely feels. Oh, sorry. Uh, she she definitely feels like she's going to get caught, and it is portrayed as, like, her very worried that she's about to get caught at any turn. And it's very funny, because that's just not the situation. Yeah, they totally interpret her actions as just, like, oh, she's just this really intense uh, artist, you know? They're weird, they're quiet, they're cagey about their future projects, because they ask her what her next novel is going to be about, and she's just, like, uh, she just says, plainly, I work in a supermarket which is true that's like what she literally is leaving behind and they all laugh because they think it's the novel and she's just saying it because she realizes that she probably won't be able to like write a follow-up to this but they just hear it as oh this is what the next novel's about and they don't actually believe her <laughs> when she says she used to work in a supermarket uh yeah it's an, it's an incredible scene <laughs> One of the many. I don't think she ever goes to the toilet in this movie. She, there's multiple times she's like, I need to go to the toilet. And she just kind of stands there and goes, Ah! Is there a beginning scene she, where she's on the toilet? I might be getting no, it mixed up with the book. So. In the book, like, there's a lot of her just bathroom. She's just, oh, she's puking, she's pooping, she's peeing, she's using somebody else's toothbrush. <laughs> that's gross yeah it was really upsetting it was the worst part like and the things she does with her boyfriend's body in the book are way different because she like he he's a model train guy and he like recreated his entire childhood home with model trains this is a missing detail (laughs) the, the other missing detail is that he's like 14 years older than her and you can tell he's like always come from money and she dropped out of school to work at a grocery store and it's framed in the sense of, like, they essentially hire you on, make you work crazy hours where you're always missing school, so you end up quitting school, and then you just work there until you're 21. And, or, excuse me, she's still working there when she's 21, uh, which is the age that, you know, everything starts in the film. But, yeah, like, I feel like those two details. Oh, but anyway, she rigs up his body uh, over the um, train set and, like, hangs it there. And then cr- it crashes down, and there's a skylight, and it snows on it, and then she dismembers it. <laughs> That's a lot. I, I that is a lot. And also, I feel, uh, I feel like the choices made in this book sound bad to me. Uh, I it's a very unrealistic scene, but I, I think it's really interesting. Like the one big difference between the book and the film, aside from like never letting you know much about the boyfriend who's never named is mm. uh like just the hmm, how do I want to put it 
I've had a brain fart. I'll get, come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> well, the thing I was going to say is, like, I like the fact that this, like, all these details are not there because this re-centers the movie on, like, Morvan living in a liminal space of, like, yes. this is just my drifting life. And it's more about the reality of drifting life as, like, a universal constant more than it is yeah. about, like, the specific situation with this shitty boyfriend. Like, there's many shitty boyfriends in the world. The details are not important. Exactly. And it really brings home that wherever you go there you are saying like you can't get away from yourself oh the thing i was gonna say was in the book he does not leave her a mixtape she just <laughs> listens to a bunch of different ones like she's just a big music nerd and that's how the, it's it's a uh, very train spotting it was like riding that wave of scottish lit so yeah makes everything's sense. about music mm-hmm yeah, I like how restrained the film is about this stuff because there's just so many like long, empty scenes where she's just sitting there, um, and I understand you can't do that in a book where you have to fill that yeah, with detail. Well, the uh, director Lynn Ramsey comes from photography, and you can like yeah, it's super obvious you as you watch the movie. Yeah, because like the opening is like five minutes, but it's a long time of just her lying there. Um, the Christmas tree lights flashing on and off in the background and the sound of those being just the most intense sound of like electricity humming uh, as they click on and off. Um, and then they do... And then they do uh, the shot from The Matrix where she sees the computer, which is not on purpose, but was funny to me. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Uh, it's so ominous. It's, it's like, just, just like a read me on the computer screen. Um the way they get across that this boyfriend is an asshole without really giving any details about him just through the context of he's killed himself and here's his very arch suicide note. Yeah, like, they know that, we know, we know that he's moody, we know he has weird taste in music, and we know that, like, he's kind of weird and probably doesn't like going partying with her. Like, yeah. And eventually we learn that he's, like, slept around with her friend. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I always forget that, which is, you'd think it would be a bigger reveal, but it's, as most things in this movie, it's just a very quiet moment. It's also, like, her friend thinks it's a big deal, but it is not, like, Morvan doesn't care. Well, the... Yeah, it is not the thing she is worried about at that point. Well, for Lana, I feel like nothing... Like, she doesn't have the same point of view as Morvan. I don't, I don't know if it's because she's had an easier life. Like, she's just as broke as Morvern. But uh, there's this impression that, like, for Morvern, getting all this money is the chance to do the life-affirming thing and get out of the country and see the world and get in touch with whatever's out there that she couldn't find at home and get away from, like, all this baggage of death. But for Lana, it's, like, just more partying. And she doesn't get, like, when Morvan comes back from Spain and they reunite, Lana's like, oh, I've got a date in a fortnight and I'm really excited. It's one of these guys from Leeds that we met in Spain. And... Morvern's like, oh, I wanted to leave the country with you again. <laughs> it's just not the uh, same thing for Lana. Everything is just, they're just coming from two different worlds. The thing for me is, like, Lana is someone who grew up in this situation. Like, she's just, like, she she's poor, but she's fine. She has a grand she visits and teases and, like, a normal life. And that's just kind of what her, like the direction of her life has been very linear, whereas Morvern gives off the vibes of something has happened to put her in the situation that is shitty. Well, she's just uh, been lonely her whole life, it sounds like. Like, she keeps well, yeah, but referring like, to, she, like... She feels like someone who fell into the situation more than, like, grew up in the situation. 
Um, not to be like, she doesn't have, she doesn't have family and like the way, like she doesn't have like the same relations and roots as everyone. Like she's, she feels like the weird, weird girl from outside of this like community. Like her, her, her foster mother's buried on an island and yeah, there's just a lot of, what were you going to say, Jackson? I agree, but I think the movie portrays that more as like a mindset than like a Oh yes, for sure. But like, like the like she goes and visits lana's grandmother because she doesn't have family right like that's an important yeah. reality mm-hmm. of her world is that she has no roots she is drifting on this one shitty boyfriend and her one friend that works at the supermarket um, but it's also clear that like if she was the kind of person who could like um enjoy this right she like that she could just accept this grand as part of her like extended family right like, yes her and her best friend could form like these real connections um it is not that she is without opportunities to like make the things that she wants in her life. I'm yeah. pretty sure yeah. that um I mean he's a much bigger character in the book, but there's an older gentleman that when she first goes to the bar at the beginning of the movie, he says like, "Oh, I thought you'd be down to visit us by now." And I'm pretty sure that's her foster father. Um they don't really like if you look at the they don't name a lot of characters in the film other than Morvern and Lana. Uh, but if you look at the credits, all their names are there because like everyone in the book has a fucking nickname, and her <laughs> her uh, foster father is named Red Hannah, and I'm pretty sure that older gentleman is him. But even then, like I think that the death of her foster mother kind of put this gulf between them in a way. Like I don't know, I feel like that she keeps bringing up that her mo- her foster mother is buried in like not like. Like, there's a character that she meets in Spain who is crying because his mother's dead and she, like, talks to him about it. And I feel like that is something that comes up for her a lot in losing her boyfriend. And I think that's the thing that kind of isolates her from everyone else. Like, she just knows that life is short in a way that Lana does not. I don't know if I would say she knows life is short because it's not like she's, like... I'm going to seize the day. She's literally just looking to fill a void, right? Yeah. yeah, but but I think she feels a sense of urgency about it because she's experienced such loss. I don't know. Maybe that's just my read on it. I think there's an like a, there's a lot of things that contradict in her. Like there's a lot of urgency, but there's also um very little like uh, she she flits between things like in, it's an impulsiveness yeah uh, i would like if there is an urgency i would depict it as like an urgency to escape whatever situation she is in when it is not immediately fulfilling her need more than it yes. is like an urgency to find the need fulfilled because like that could be fulfilled anywhere if she allowed it to right yeah because that's the whole point of like the final conversation of the movie right right um well, one of them that is the actual final thing but she goes back to uh she goes back to lana um, and she tells her about the uh, the date she's having, and Morvan's like, "Well, we, we could we could go away again. We could do this stuff again." And then uh, Alana replies, "Like, it, I don't know why. It's the same crap there is anywhere." Yeah, um, and then Morvan the point seems... being that. Oh, go on. Oh, just the point being that, like, that you you can be happy here. It's not about it's not about like the emptiness of partying or the emptiness of you know going on a life affirming trip or whatever. It's about her just something within her that can't connect to people um, and she thinks immediately and... like any poor person that money's gonna fill it because we've all had those days where we just daydream about our rich person lives <laughs> oh we sure have <laughs> uh, 
I found that stuff really sad because, like, on some level, um, I think that that is like a cool, uh, like exciting fancy in a film sense, right? It's like her, she's she is gonna uh, affirm herself by taking this money from a shitty dead boyfriend. It's she may as well have it. I, I think that like that could be cool. And so the moment that she goes to the publishers and she's worried she's going to get caught but what the scene actually plays as is that even like pretending she can't be this person and it's not because she's going to be found out right because they they don't care the people giving her the money don't give a fuck but it's because she just can't be in that space she can't be comfortable sitting in front of them uh even though the opportunity is there and it's working she can have the money but she she will never be able to like be that person in the way that her boyfriend probably could right he could just walk the walk of being an obnoxious artist mm-hmm. uh, and she can't even fake it just to get like she can't even cynically fake it just to get like a robin hood type payday um she's just not there one of the funniest lines in that scene is i think i don't remember which of them says it to her but one of the publishing people says to her I just love the strong female voice or the unique female voice <laughs> of the novel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's Which is doubly funny because the book is written by a man. That's true, but and also <laughs> she has barely any lines. Like Samantha Morton talks very little in this film. I mean the like the actual book Morven Color is written by a Oh man. I know, I know. I'm I'm reading it yeah. right now and I actually really enjoy it and I think the voice is done really well, but that is really funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that always kind of just as somebody who's seen this movie quite a bit uh over the years is how more much more sympathetic she is to me the older I get. Because when I first saw this movie, I was probably in my 20s. And I just remember seeing the scene where she, essentially, after she finds his body, she gets dolled up and goes out to party with her friend, gets super wasted, fucks around with some people, and like, you know, uh, just, I remember thinking, she's really callous. More than callous. She's really just nope. Uh, <laughs> non. <laughs> like, how can she be so like thoughtless? And every rewatch, I would find a new reason to sympathize with her and realize, like, yeah, this was a selfish thing that he did, and I like that it sort of frames it as one of those things where. It's not about him. It's how she handles this. And the way she chooses to do it, I think, is actually weirdly noble. Aside from the, like, let's, you know, without the (laughs) dismembering of the body and stuff. (laughs) But there's just something really ballsy about just being like, you know what? I'm going to claim this fucking novel. I'm going to see the world. I don't know. What do you think? where Where do your sympathies lie? I mean, yeah, like, um, if she had done what he wanted and just turned in the novel, like, they still would have bought it. It still would have been a big deal. But then, like, where is that going to? Like, some family that doesn't matter, that isn't in, the, like, the framework at all? Exactly. Uh, it, definitely not her. They're not married, right? Right. Like, yeah. Good point. Yeah, like, I feel like the the movie leans into some things that are a bit, you know, thinking emoji. Um, 
not in a real way, just in a, like, there are critiques you could make about its portrayal of suicide. I don't know um, what that means. I'm 33 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know I'm what that means. That I- I'm 33 years old. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think that there are ways to read this movie. Uh, there are critiques you can make about its portrayal of suicide being like, I think it portrays suicide as like an inherently cowardly thing. Yes, like um, this boyfriend is like thoughtless and shitty, but because he killed himself, like it doesn't matter why he did it. It's a, like a bad thing to do to her. One of the um, things that really bothers me is that he leaves money for his own funeral, but he doesn't leave money for her. Yes. Like it doesn't say anything is, about like how she's supposed to go on for the next. Well, what he actually does is like, don't try to understand it in like the most like pedantic, like talking oh, down to your yeah. girlfriend. But... Yeah. Which is why I end up like, even though I think those critiques do hold, I think the specifics of how he does it are shitty enough that I don't necessarily, like, I don't think this is a condemnation of people who. Uh, no, I don't think I it's think. that at all. It's uh, This is very specific to this situation. I think even though i do think a large part of like the tragedy of uh morvan's existence like by the end of the movie is that she can't like she doesn't have the arch um sense of herself to give herself this romantic ending right she just has to keep going she's going to the next town she's going to the next club there isn't like an escape from uh from this for her like he could just do um and imagine this like legacy for himself she just doesn't have that within herself um because I, I I thought that was a very deliberate like comparison point by the end of the film. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I wish I could find my copy of the book. I thought it had it, I had it out here with me because the suicide note's completely different. It's <laughs> got it's just longer, and it, there's more of an implication of like, I had a great time with you, but I just had to do this, you know, and uh, played a prank on myself thinking I could make it this long, and just. I don't know. It, it, it's it's way more like obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he also uh, makes sure her rent's paid up in the book, which <laughs> I appreciated. <laughs> the thing I like about the like shittiness and thoughtlessness of his suicide is that he the book is like instantly one solicitation, like one unsolicited sending to an agent, and like he's like here's the list to go down. The first one bites with a like six figure check. Uh, like this guy had like all of the things and was still just this sh- like yeah uh what I want like cartoon of this shitty writer boyfriend right the uh, like, none artist. Of it, yeah like none of it changes based on the fact that the book is good because it's still it doesn't matter how genius you are that's still like a shit way to treat people and mm-hmm. it, I like that the movie definitely absolutely does not let any of that off the hook like no. it's not like oh suddenly the book is good and now maybe she thinks differently about that which i think you could have in a more less sympathetic oh, yeah, no, to more really obnoxious <laughs> yeah, story yes not thinking about him like in ever, that regard ever after, like well, until he like outside of, of disposing of his body i feel like her entire like her existence in this movie is like this sense of like maybe i should be thinking about him but i just can't bring myself yep. to give a shit yeah <laughs> there's that incredible scene where they're trapped in the middle of fucking nowhere because she's walked just through Spain and dragged Lana with her. And Lana's so pissed off and assumes, because her logic is just normal person, like, our interrelationship logic, that uh, Lana, um, that the Mormon is taking this all out on her because uh, she slept with her boyfriend one time. Uh, and she keeps saying, oh, are you still mad about that? I said, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. Why are we in the middle of nowhere? And then Mormon just snaps and just says, he's dead. And one, Lana doesn't react. Like, Lana doesn't, like, I don't know what the, you know, intent is, but it plays as her 
just thinking this is like a you know her just speaking metaphorically i don't care anymore yeah because she tells um, her that they broke up and he left essentially we didn't say that up top but yeah and the way she says it isn't like he's dead this is so traumatic to me and i think this this is the big thing that i've been hiding from you it's he's dead stop bringing him up yeah 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 it's very <laughs> he's not here anymore i don't care yeah it's a weirdly pragmatic way of looking at the loss of your boyfriend <laughs> yep and i just wonder like okay let's say i have this pompous writer partner and they pass away like <laughs> Would I be able to just flippantly be like, <laughs> he's dead. I don't think I could. I would feel obligated yep. to, I don't know, do that performative mourning thing, I think, if I were in her shoes. I mean, she cooks a pizza over his dead body. She, like, jumps over <laughs> his dead body to get in and out of the kitchen. She's still feeding herself. Yes. She's still taking showers. She's painting her nails. It's, like, stuff I could never do. I also like that he, like, went to all this effort to, like, set up his read me, leave a nice suicide note, and then, like, fell in the middle of the, between the kitchen and the, like, living room. Just, like, everything is planned except for the moment, just dropped in blood smears and right in front of the tree that just blinks forever. <laughs> uh, there's, like, a, there's, like, a certain amount of, like, like, messiness to something that otherwise feels like it was very dramatically thought through mm. at length. And oh, then yeah. here he is just dead in the doorway. Like no one would pose were, themselves that way. <laughs> the the way that his like suicide is completely like planned, right? It's the most planned thing. Yes. Um, Loopy Velez and ridiculously arch and everything. And her rejection of that by just letting him lie there for days and walk over him for days. It's just such a, it is a power move in terms of how much he doesn't give a shit about the like design of this romantic suicide. She's got to have a pizza, damn it. <laughs> heroism is having a pizza <laughs> heroism is having a pizza yeah no it's uh it's materialism to steal your be- dead boyfriend's novel yes absolutely <laughs> what's he gonna do with it exactly <laughs> Nothing. he's dead his family's already rich get paid <laughs> yeah get paid that's a- uh, but you gotta if you're gonna do that you, you gotta understand it won't fix you yeah no, <laughs> it doesn't solve anything I mean, he maybe don't a, go to, a maybe don't writer, go to Spain with your friend he still killed himself so uh, the, there's an amazing scene uh, towards the uh, back half of the movie where they're still in Spain and she's like she's forced Lana to leave their partying hotel because it's just a bunch of people from the UK partying yes and she's like this, this this isn't an escape at all no. we're all just fucking tourists yeah. getting drunk just like at home and i hated it there we need to find the authentic experience and lana is understandably pissed off because she was she's she just enjoys this she likes partying uh, she literally she literally pulls her out of bed where she is like about to like sleep with a guy she took a bunch of ecstasy and they're about to fuck she's like we're going into the desert i found a cabbie who will take us there <laughs> i'm the guy with the hat just sitting there like what the fuck is going on <laughs> uh, and then as they're going into the desert lana's just getting incredibly increasingly more mad and there's this amazing moment where uh it's for a film that is mostly like handheld shots uh and like um these like intimate moments there's this one very framed 
ridiculous shot where she is standing in front of the parked car smoking the cabbie is leaning on the parked car smoking and lana's inside having like a just having a breakdown like oh my god where the fuck are we gonna get going what are we doing uh as she's like got sunglasses on smoking into the distance and like sinks the way she throws the cigarette away with the cabbie (laughs) thinking that this is her like yes this is the real shit right here and then like points in a direction they're going to go like they're (laughs) blazing a trail to this nearby village that has their own shit going on because they're in the middle of like a bull like festival yeah where they have like so, like wrangling some bulls in the square while everyone watches on so they have no time for this these two british ladies running into their town we need to talk about it's... kevin also has like a spain festival scene just throwing that out there that's another lynn ramsey movie mm-hmm. um god yeah it's it's ridiculous it comes off as her being like the most child playing at this is what meaning is <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, because there's that shot after they both get separated in the town where she's like walking up these stone steps, dragging a <laughs> giant suitcase behind her because there was no yeah. thought to doing this. It was just a whim at the moment. So here she is like tired of the tourists just being like the most egregious version of tourism where you're dragging your st- your clothes up a cobblestone hill in the Spanish wilderness for no good reason. <laughs> It's good because there's like infinite versions of this movie played earnestly, right? Of the I was soulless, living the partying life in, you know, in the drab working life of Britain. And then I went on a tourism trip and found myself. This is an infinite movies. Uh, and watching them just do that in the most cynical, like this is enough. This isn't real. This is the most fake thing way is very good. Because uh, nobody has any time for her. Yeah. And then she abandons Lana in the middle of Spain because she is no longer sparking joy for her. <laughs> I mean, she wants, she likes the quiet. She needs the quiet. There's something about it, all she needs she is that. She abandons her tape. on a dirt road. Yeah, she she takes. I mean, she takes her friend who kind of just was going along with her because she felt sorry for her to Spain, and then drags her like tripping on drugs out into the wilderness, and then leaves her overnight in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Like, she could have been eaten by coyotes or something. I don't know what's out in the Spanish desert, but, like, it's, a, like, a legitimately irresponsible thing to do. Yep. And then immediately goes and gets her check. Like, yep. uh, it's ridiculous. Like, the way, yeah, the way everything kind of uh, spills over into the end of realizing this is, was an ill-thought-out idea and has helped nothing more than uh, was very good. Looks great. I liked how shit it was on the copies we all had because even though I'm sure that there is a, like seeing this on like an actual film print is very like legitimately good looking, it just feels like 2002 in every way. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a very gorgeous film. I feel yeah. like it, it definitely has a great visual mood. Absolutely, but I'm absolutely like also nostalgic for downloading 480p XVID rips. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely that, level. but it's still also like a movie that is like really into deliberate color tone in a way we don't see it yes. anymore. Yeah. Like it's pre-digital grading because this movie didn't have the money for any of that. So it's just like the most washed out versions of Scotland, Scotland, right? Scotland, yes. Yes. Uh, like beautiful but gray looking wildernesses and then like gross fluorescent uh, grocery stores. And then you just get like the most like warm earth tones version of spain and the two things just have to live right next to each other 
uh, and feel worlds apart, uh, despite oh, it being like a movie that's mostly shot like naturally. It's, uh, it's so sunny in Spain and so snowy in Scotland, too. <laughs> and I, I think they don't really like, do they imply in the movie that it's a few months between Christmas and when they actually leave for Spain? I don't think so. Yeah, because in the book, it's like they, you know, the book starts at Christmas, but they don't leave for Spain until July. So, I don't mm. know. Uh, I think that comes across, like, with how they do I think just like the stuff with the um, uh, foster parent, right? Like, the, I assume she goes in summer because it's clearly summer in Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they don't get to, sp- like, it's not about the spelling it out because it, um, every scene just kind of flits to the next one. Uh, like if you know you can find out but it will just drift through yeah it doesn't really matter either the choice is made to put those two right next to each other right like when she's when she's in scotland she is walking with heavy coats in like winter desolate like nighttime streets that are all just like the roads are like the pathways are icy and everything looks like shit and everyone looks cold and miserable all the time and then they walk out like pale fish in the spanish sun uh and you're like, oh, yeah, really far from home here, like both <laughs> thematically and literally. Uh, and then who is it but like 17,000 chavs all having a bender? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get people riding in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I feel like chavs are southern. That's not really a Scottish I don't know. Thing. I don't know. It's I don't all know the same what they Jackson. have in Scotland. <laughs> what do they have? Um, I don't know. I mean, she met those boys from Leeds. Are those not chavs? I don't know. Those were uh, lads. I don't know. <laughs> Those were lads. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the guys from Leeds are definitely lads. Everyone in Spain was a lad. Okay. <laughs> the fucking, the fucking lads, man. Lana loves a lad. Yeah, no, no accounting for taste. I mean, Marvin does too. Is the thing right? Like, like it's not like she's not there to maybe hook up with someone. She just finds them all very obnoxious and loud suddenly. And the only person she does hook up with is the person that's experienced a huge loss and is depressed yeah. and disconnected as she is. Yeah, but they don't really get on very well. Yeah, no. except he's not actually like disconnected. Like he's feeling it. Like he's living in the moment. He's having this connection. She's like, oh, it's like me. And then like I feel like immediately it is clear that it is not like her. No. And she feels that like weird dawning sense of like, oh, something is different in the way I've processed this and the way he has processed it's, this. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the um, motivating event for her leaving the resort or whatever. Well, she also like she doesn't talk about like, oh, let me talk about my boyfriend. She's like, I could talk about that time my foster mother died mm-hmm. in like because that's the thing that she thinks of as the loss she suffered, not anything to do with the boyfriend. Yeah, no, that's def- like yeah. it, it, it definitely is the big one for her. Um. So how do we feel about that mixtape? I, I don't give a shit, sorry. Oh, I, I don't care about the music even a little bit. I saw this movie and like downloaded all of those songs immediately. I bought a few albums. <laughs> I got some Stereo Lab albums. I got some broadcast albums. Ugh, could not get enough of it. Um, this is, because Destiny told me about this movie shortly after we started dating, and this is the first movie, or the first time I'd ever heard Some Velvet Morning, um, which is the standout here, which is just a very good song that I like Lee Hazelwood um, and Nancy Sinatra, it's the yeah, song got me into them. that she walks into the uh, grocery store listening to. So yeah. good. It's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite scenes, actually. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, the, the stands for me are like Canon, Aphex Twin, like, you know bands i already know yeah 
the book is actually dedicated to some members of can which i think is really cute <laughs> i think that, i think that might be very obnoxious i think that's obnoxious i think i would hate this book that's <laughs> my reaction it's a very 90s book like that's the it sounds worst like- thing i can say about it like i like it because i think the character is just fascinating and i'll always kind of have a soft spot for like disaffected girls <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it's a very 90s book. Also, it's so Scottish. I had to look up, look up so many words. I've learned so much <laughs> Scottish slang. And everyone has a nickname. Sometimes I don't even know what's going on. That's fair enough. Because I realized certain words were just nicknames. And I didn't write it. took me a second. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's a person. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> But yeah, like looking around at some of the things that have been like said about this movie more widely online, I feel like the discussion goes into multiple camps of um, people being like, "Wow, why would she? Why would she do that? How could she do something so immoral?" Um, like that—that that was a lot of the takes that I saw. I saw one take saying that it was genuinely the life-affirming movie. Also, uh, very strange. Some of the some of the um writing about this online i think it's purposely very hard to read so like i'm kind of not surprised that people are everywhere all over the place about this film i just don't i just don't know how like the movie ends with her in like an anonymous club listening to the mixtape still right like she has earbuds in in the middle of this like bumping club uh as she just wanders like totally lost i don't know how you get life affirming out of any of that like i could see up to that point maybe reading it wrong but the ending is such a sad like this is just gonna be her life forever mm-hmm. and she's listening to uh Ooh. the most like pointed song on that whole fucking tape which is dedicated to the one i love by the mamas and the papas and mm-hmm. it's like i don't know how you could lose your boyfriend who left you this tape and not be flooded with memories of him listening to that song and thinking about the intentionality behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, I definitely, you know, I've, I've said where I am in this movie. I, I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great ending. Real bummer. I love it. I love it so much. It's still one of my favorite movies. Like, a lot of the movies I saw around this point in my life, like mm, 21 to 23, are just a lot really formative and this is definitely one of them makes sense is that all we've got i think that might be everything unless someone has other stuff to talk about not really okay a bit shorter that's good i like that that's fine oh i want to throw it out there that there's another really great samantha morton performance in a movie no one will see now uh, I was telling Emma, I'm like, oh, you know, she like never talks in Sweet and Lowdown, but you'll never watch it. And Em's like, why? No. And I tell them that it is a Woody Allen movie starring Sean Penn. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction to. I was like, Jesus Christ! But she's she's fucking great in it. But yeah, don't. If you want Samantha Morton to not say a lot of words in another movie that you can watch, totally fine. Mostly, Minority Report is a very good movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's great. I watched that. I remember thinking the last half hour was dog shit back in the day. Oh, the last half hour is very dumb and pat, but the rest of it's amazing. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's very me being like a young film student take. I bet I'd just appreciate its nonsense more now. Yeah, it's got great <laughs> world building. The part where it's like right before smartphones, so everyone has little tiny like Bluetooth <laughs> earpieces because that's what they thought phones I would be. Love it. So good. That's very funny. It's fucked up I have more affection for iRobot than Minority Report. I know. I don't understand how that happens because <laughs> one of those is much better than the other and you have it backwards. <laughs> well, how that happens is you watch iRobot when you yeah, are... The, the, yeah, know, the actual answer old. is that you were a child when they came out. Yes, now I know how this happens. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> iRobot's great. It's dumb as hell. I thought iRobot sucked at the time, so... <laughs> I've never seen old. it. It's a... Uh, Hold by pie. <laughs> It's uh, bad. It's a bad movie. Will Smith is phoning it the fuck in. (laughs) The only good part is fucking Shia LaBeouf, because this is when he was giving a damn about his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Star of Holes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I forgot that movie happened. Basically playing the exact same character that he does in Constantine. That's him in Constantine, right? Shit, there's a movie. Yeah, there's a movie. I love that movie. Yeah, the fucking movie. Uh, the the news yeah. going around where Keanu Reeves is like, I'd love to do another Constantine if we get the movie money together. I'm like, hell yeah, you would, because it's the best movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do Constantine too? In fact, it gets better yes. the older Keanu yeah. Reeves gets. The part where he like fucking, I guess spoilers for Constantine briefly, where he like <laughs> cheats the devil out of like getting the devil to remove his lung cancer and now is just gonna live for another twenty years, and it's like broke ass, rundown middle age Constantine would be the best. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. Just there's, there's no point where I don't want that. Like, the older he gets, the more I want it. Yes. Uh, Constantine 2, where you at? Yeah, where uh, are I you I guess at? we're done. We are done. We are Thanks so ever- done. Oh, we have an email. We have an email. If you have emails, you can we send did. them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Jackson, do you want to run down the email? It's from our friend Tron. Um, is there yeah, any hello, questions Tron. that uh, are relevant that we didn't cover already? Yeah, uh, Tron has an email uh, with a lot of questions. Uh, I will cover anything that we didn't get to in uh, the film. Um, uh, so uh, the first question is about all the stuff with the morality of her uh, and the body. So um, the thing I want to wrap around back on this is uh, Tron specifically asks about like the fantasticality of like leaving a body there. And people leave bodies all the time because they can't process it. Uh, Destiny telling me that she then hung the body up over the train set in the book. That's the fantastical. And I'm like, no, this yeah. is too much. I hate yeah. it. I was reading that and I was like, wow, I wouldn't like this movie if they put this in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the part where she just leaves it there seems like... Realist people, people do their, that. Yeah, people like, literally even, do that. Even their like actual loved ones, the people just leave dead bodies lying around all the time because sometimes you just can't process it, right? Yeah. Like if you Google people, there was a guy that left his dead wife in her bed for years, yeah. uh, and like let let her mummify. Like people do it all the time. Like I I <laughs> I understand not wanting to deal. <laughs> Um, the dismemberment is kind of ridiculous and would never happen. Uh, one of the things that is really funny is that scene happens to the song I'm Sticking With You by the Velvet Underground, which is later used in Juno as like the cutesy, like, <laughs> we're in love song. And I, I was like, why do I recognize this yeah, song? You're yeah. right. It was mm-hmm. in fucking Juno. Yep. And it's like a completely different context, which makes me laugh. I just like the, like, extreme utilitarianness of her, like, stripping down to her underwear with, like, a mask on to cut her, that body apart. It's very she's, good. She's not wearing a, a mask. I'm pretty sure she's wearing, like, oh, a, just the sunglasses. His little sunglasses. Right, just the sunglasses. Right, right, right. Yes. Uh, I like the genre of movies that are about people who die, but there's no 
there is never even the threat of the cops finding out. Like, yes. No one's going to find out. He's gone. This is not about that. Because uh, you can sometimes tell when you watch a movie that this is a plot that would, in a normal film, be about like the tension of who's going to find out about this. Not, not even not even a little bit here. No. The only version of this movie where I'd want the cops to be involved is the Coen Brothers remake of Morven Collar. <laughs> Oh, please. <laughs> where there's just a side plot about this, like, shitty Scottish cop who's now trying to discover where this person disappeared to. I really want them to completely miss... Un- like, I guess the Coen brothers would assume that this maps onto the Midwest perfectly. Yes, and- yes, they well, absolutely I mean, it would. Does. <laughs> it does. It doesn't. Like, no- it doesn't. It really doesn't. Scotland's very different. I mean, just uh, the idea of, like, living in a small town where everybody just drinks all the time. And- I see why they'd think that. Yeah. I, I, th- I just think, I think there's, like, a class element that doesn't quite map onto that's, this small town in the Midwest. That's true. That's true. But I, I think, hey, if you set this movie in somewhere in Ohio... No, I want it, I want it to be in Scotland, but to be treated like the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I want the Coen Brothers sensibility to not really understand why there's like extended scenes of everyone jumping through fires, like <laughs> um, because this is how it is. Um, God, yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Were there any other questions in this email, Jackson? Um, there were a few more questions. What do we have here? Uh, are we familiar with any of the BBC actors in this movie? I couldn't spot any myself. Um, I, I mean, Samantha Modern, but I wasn't re- like it's a little old, so I wasn't really um, spotting. Oh, I know that guy from TV. Yeah, I didn't recognize. I'm, I'm sure there were. I don't. I don't really watch movies that way. I'm really bad about faces and names, so I usually am really good. But I just I, I'm not up on BBC stuff, so uh, we have. Do you prefer a natural environment or do you prefer going to clubs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the only person here who might be the club person is Destiny. I only like clubs in short bursts in moderation. I don't I like to dance and I like music and I like drinking, but I don't like crowds. And um the idea of being out of my head on like substances at a club sounds like literal hell. Uh, I would rather, like, uh, the house party after the big, like, club scene in, or excuse me, the big bar scene in the beginning, that that's more my scene, the house party, where it's a smaller group of people, they probably all know each other, that's a little more comfortable for me. But I, uh, I'm bad with nature, so I wish I could be like, oh, I would love a quiet countryside, but I just... There'd be bugs <laughs> and heat. <laughs> I am equally alienated by both. <laughs> I relate a lot to more from this movie. It's not—it's not really the environment, right? It's just something in you. You got to try to work through it. And also, being around people that like only want to get wasted is very tiring very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other—the other thing that we we talked about. Yeah, I think I think we're good with the rest of these. Yeah, we got them going down these. Yeah, we're okay. We covered these. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to send emails again, podcast at romanmovie.com. They don't have to be about the movie we're covering. It could be about anything. Yes, you can email us anything. Uh, oh any yeah, any yeah, movies. We'll, we'll talk about any old movie. Obviously, we just started talking about Coen Brothers for no good reason. And Constantine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, next fortnight. I was about to say next month, but this is, I guess it will technically be next month. This is a fortnightly podcast. Uh, It is a fortnight podcast. Fortnight! (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Tilty Towers? I don't, I don't know what Fortnite what? is. You have never sounded older than you did at that moment. I don't know what's you going on. You are ancient. I don't know what's going on. Destiny, tell me everything you know about Fortnite. This is a, cause, <laughs> like, uh, kids like it. Uh, isn't that, it's, it's like free. And... Yeah. Do you know what kind of game it is? It's like a... Is it a shooter? Yes. yes. Mostly. Close enough. I don't know anything else. I really don't. No, it's fine. I I've just nev- couldn't I be the even... only person who was out of touch here. Yeah, I don't know what anything even looks like in that game. Is it pixels? Or is no. it like fancy? <laughs> is it pixels or is it fancy? <laughs> it's like it's like what it's like what if the Sims barfed on PUBG? You've seen PUBG enough to know what that looks like. Speaking of things that uh, are old, we're watching another movie next month. Yeah, uh, next month we're watching All the President's Men, which is directed by Alan J. Pakula, uh, screenplay William Goldman. Uh, I've never seen it. Uh, I've never seen it either. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, if you were in the UK, where can you watch this, Jackson? Literally anywhere, but uh, it's not on Netflix, so it's not a forum like on a streaming service, but you can rent it from... Uh, YouTube, Amazon, iTunes, Talk TV, Chili, okay. the Microsoft Store, <laughs> and the PlayStation Network. Also Google Play. You can get it from fucking anywhere. Okay. Uh, uh, in the US, this is available on Netflix, uh, according to the site we use. But if you want to rent it, it the cheapest you can get is uh, $3 on PSN. Yeah, it's it's a pound cheaper on PSN for some reason, yeah. um, even though it is. But it's not oh, listed. You know what? That's listed as SD. Watch movies in HD. Get it on YouTube. It's four dollars. Yeah, this is it's uh it is three forty nine on iTunes and everywhere, and it's three forty nine for HD copy wherever you want to rent it. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, until then, uh, Destiny, where can people find you online? At fridgebuzznow on Twitter dot com. Do you want to plug your band since we're w- watching a movie? Oh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm suddenly shy, but my, <laughs> my like weird bedroom shoegaze project, Toad Lilies, with my friends Andrea and Jake, have an album on Bandcamp. So Toad Lilies, one word, uh, the album is called June 13th and, um, check it out on Bandcamp. Jackson, yeah. plugs. I am at Headfalls Off on Twitter. You can find me there. You can find other podcasts we do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, me and Em have a game club called Abnormal Mapping. We have another podcast on Patreon. Uh, yeah, you can get that at patreon.com slash mapping, where you can support the network. Keep me, Jackson, and Destiny all fed and sheltered in these trying times. Uh, for $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project, which is me and Jackson every week on Wednesdays, talking about two episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, the anime franchise. Maybe you've heard of it. We are currently watching Victory Gundam. We watch other anime alongside it. Right now, we're watching Super Dimension Fortress, Matt Cross. That's correct, right? <laughs> That is correct. Uh, and that's, Matt Cross is a good time. Gundam, up and down. <laughs> Land of contrast. But it's a very good podcast if you like more of this, but a little more focused. I write summaries. It's, you know, a little more formal. There's free episodes if you go to time to go ax.is. You can get free episodes of the first of every one of these shows. Hear what it's about. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you want to talk movies, go to uh, the website, abnormalmapping.com, and there's a Discord link, and you can come to our Discord and talk about movies with us. Yeah, I should uh, jump sure in can. the Discord and talk about movies with y'all, because I 
I never go on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Uh, and that's it. Uh, everyone, go home. We need a. We need, I need an outro for this. <laughs> See, but I don't have one this time. We'll just steal uh, Ebert's. We can't. We can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that. See you oh. out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're done. <laughs>